Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to be talking about subcritical masses. Like We often talk on the show about critical masses, by which we mean sort of the threshold of the number of different copies of a card that you need in order to regularly see it over the course of a game. Usually we suggest you know, checking out a hypergeometric calculator to help you figure out how many effects of a, or how many copies of an effect you need based on when you want to see it during the game. Like if there's something you want to only want to see once a game, like, you know, maybe once by turn 15, uh, that's going to translate to a certain number of cards in your deck if you want like 90% probability that you'll see it. But some things you're going to want to see every single game if it's like really central to your strategy. So for that, you're going to want more copies. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about interesting effects that don't quite meet that threshold, don't quite get to a critical mass. But they're the kind of things we often talk about when we're doing our set reviews. These are the kind of cards that we're really on the lookout for because um, in most cases, they enable new combos, enable engines. Sometimes they like enable tutors that otherwise like you know, may not be worth running in most decks. And then there's just a lot of like really powerful, but unique kind of miscellaneous strategies that we want to talk about. So this is going to be a little bit of a grab bag. We've got a couple broader categories and then like a big long miscellaneous section at the end. And you're going to want to stick around for that because that's give you that. I think that's going to give you a lot of ideas for deck building because these are just um, very cool synergies that that we are psyched about. But um, you just wait a bit till we get there. But before we jump into uh, the today's topic, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, let, let's jump into this first category here. So this is toolboxes for narrow tutors. So there's a couple we've talked about this a bit on the show but there's a few colors in commander that don't really have access to a lot of good tutors but there are like some narrow tutors within those color identities um that have the potential to to maybe even be staple cards if enough cards get printed to to push them over the edge to make it worth it so that oh it, this is just a generally useful card as opposed to something that only really is good for a narrow strategy um so what's our, our first like category of toolbox that we're going to be talking about? Yeah, so this is uh, recently got a new edition, so people might be thinking about it a little bit more. Um, this is powerful zero to one mana creatures. So if your creature is zero to one mana value, does something interesting, good, or important for your deck, uh, that would go here. The notable inclusion that I'm mentioning is Esper Sentinel, that we just got in Modern Horizons 2. It is a single white mana for a 1-1 artifact creature. And is he a soldier? I can't remember off the top of my head. Human soldier, yeah. Yeah, human soldier. And he has, whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, they have to pay X, where X is its power. If they don't, you draw a card. So, finally, <laughs> like, good card draw in white. Wow. Um, definitely commands the price tag for it, but the effect is really good. But, I mean, there's a ton of colors with, good one drops that uh that 
fit into this category. So like Esper Sentinel might be one, but we got like Goblin Welder and Goblin Engineer in red. Um, oh wait, is Goblin Engineer is one mana, right? No, it's two it's mana. Two mana. Oh my god. Okay, we got Goblin Welder in red, uh, which you can tap to have a player sack an artifact and basically reanimate an artifact from your graveyard in exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can force that upon people, so it's kind of funny too. But most of the time, you're just using it to give value on your own. Uh, there's like Ulvenwald Tracker in green, which is green for a 1-1 that has one green tap. Uh, creature you control fights another target creature. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> just being able to do that over and over again. Um, there's even just like little things. You could get a Mother of Runes. You could get a Viscera Seer. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's so many little one mana guys that uh, do something important for a deck that go into this category right here. Yeah, and and the reason we're mentioning all these these very very cheap creatures is because they enable Ranger Captain of Eos to, and also Ranger of Eos, I suppose, to kind of get like important engines in your deck or to get important important sources of card advantage. So especially for for like you know white color identities white red color identities like getting an esper sentinel could be one of your best sources of card draw in your deck um and so like having this this tutor that's able to find specifically that card uh i I would kind of be willing to pay four mana for an esper sentinel in like a white mono white color identity or white red color identity because i have so few other options Mm -hmm. Um, so like dropping a ranger captain of eos to get my Esper Sentinel and then also have this benefit of like, oh, I can silence my opponents whenever I want. That seems like pretty good value for me. Anything that can like make that Ranger Captain of Eos even more valuable, especially like because you don't want it to be a dead card if you draw your Esper Sentinel first. You want to have a range of options and especially like options that could potentially and especially like potential answers to problems. I, I think that Ranger Captain of Eos like has a lot of potential as a card that can tutor you in a color identity that's really bad at tutoring. <laughs> and so I, I'm really keeping my eyes peeled with every new set for things that could enable this card. Yeah. And I do want to mention too other things that help uh that go into this category. You could use like Recruiter of the Guard and Imperial Recruiter as well. Mm-hmm. Um those also support this archetype and especially in red like there's just no <laughs> like what do you you can't tutor for anything <laughs> yeah you've red. got your one copy of gamble and then you better hope that you're looking for a goblin yes yeah exactly yeah. so that that's just some notable things here but um we got we got a lot of categories so do you, do you mind if i move on to the next one yes go for it so this one uh i don't have too much to say but it's powerful wizards um, because there are now two cards that have wizard cycling, and I can't remember. Oh, uh, yeah, that's Vidalcan Ether Mage and Step Through. There you um, go. Yeah, Step Through is even better because it only costs two to wizard cycle. Yeah, uh, and so basically, what these are is they're spells that have an effect, and I've actually seen someone cast a Vidalcan Aether Mage before, like wow. for the front. Yeah, and it actually like just happened that we were playing against a sliver deck and it just happened that bouncing a sliver like didn't kill him (laughs) so (laughs) that's that's incredible that's a real achievement unlocked i know yeah that's a lot of a lot of gamer points right there so um 
So yeah, both these cards do something on the front. They both have a front part, but then they both wizard cycle. And there's just a lot of wizards that do things that you want to do. Yeah. So blue is, you know, again, a color identity that's kind of limited in its tutoring. Um, There's a fair bit of artifact tutoring, a little bit of spell tutoring, but getting creatures is not easy, especially, which is unfortunate because there are plenty of powerful blue creatures. Um, So as more powerful wizards get printed, uh, they just make your step through or Vidalcan Aether Mage um, uh, tutoring power just a a lot greater and a lot more um, broad and varied in what it can do. And it's worth noting that I think we we mentioned this during the Modern Horizons 2 set review, but step through can actually like create these basically can can find a combo all by itself, provided you've got the time and the mana to do it. Um, so it's it's really powerful stuff. Shouldn't be um, shouldn't be discounted. But let, let's talk about some of the the powerful wizards and the powerful synergies that are available just right now for step through. I'm thinking about things like Thassa's Oracle, Lab Maniac. They're both wizards, and of course, like they could potentially be the win condition of your deck. So additional ways to find them seems pretty useful. Spellseeker is basically a way for you to convert your your wizard searching into spell searching, and then there's like Archaeomancer, which basically turns your step through into sort of a regrowth effect. So there's a lot you can do with it now, and. Uh, it's it's the kind of thing you want to keep an eye out for in the future. Just like, is this you know powerful creature a wizard? Because it's going to enable yeah, us to and, and just one more category, which is actually kind of funny talking about the tutor chains, is you can get... Um, I don't think all of the trinket mages are, but I know a decent amount of them. I think treasure, ma- treasure mage is, so you can I, also... I just pulled them all up. They are all wizards. Oh, they are all wizards. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you can convert... Um, like wizards searching into artifact searching as well pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that's another notable thing there. Um and speaking of artifacts, <laughs> <laughs> and the next category is powerful constructs, which is something I they seem to be very slow at, but it's something I've been like taking note of in the last few sets ever basically ever since uh the wonderful card scrapyard recombiner came out. Yes, uh so scrapyard recombiner is Three mana for a zero zero artifact creature construct as modular two, so it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters, uh, and then it has tap, sacrifice an artifact, search your library for a construct card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So it's a source of repeatable tutoring. I've actually put this card into a deck recently because the the things that it can get out are just so crucial to the what the deck is doing. Um, so currently, some of the notable constructs are Scrap Trawler, uh, which is three mana for a 3-2 artifact creature construct. And it has, whenever Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser mana value. So this is card is a house in like an Ozgear deck. I mean, there's a lot of decks in which it's really good. It's also good yeah. to create in like Gerard, Weatherlight Captain. But basically anything that's planning on sacrificing a lot of artifacts, this can actually create chains for you where it's like, oh, I will, you know, sack my two mana. Well, I'll sack my Grim Monolith, get back my mana vault, get back and then sack that and get back my mana crypt. Uh, Things like that just like allow you to create enormous amounts of mana 
kind of from out of nowhere. So it's a really powerful combo engine, um, and it's it's really essential to a lot of decks. So having an additional way to tutor it, especially in color identities that are really, really bad at tutoring, is great, is really, really helpful. And you might notice that we're talking about colors that are bad at tutoring, which is uh, one of the reasons that these these things are just so so uh i think important to like keep track of <laughs> mm-hmm. is like well what can i possibly do within these colors well these constructs uh help your boros deck get the pieces it needs you know mm-hmm. so that's something just to keep in mind as we're going through these like this is de- like these are narrow tutors for a reason it's because not not every color can do it. yes exactly like you know do not I would not recommend putting these in like a deck with a black color identity because you can, you know, tutor way more easily. Yeah. Uh, just way less fuss and and hassle. Um, but in these like mono white decks, mono red decks, red white decks, and, and in some cases blue decks, um, you really don't have a lot of options, and so these open up lines for you that might not otherwise be possible. And I want to m- mention one more. Um powerful construct before we move on so uh the the other powerful construct that currently exists is walking ballista and that is of course uh, xx for a zero zero artifact creature that enters the battlefield with x plus plus one counters uh, and you can remove plus plus one counters to ping things so that's essentially an outlet for infinite mana which is really really good for decks like oz gear or like teshar that can that have like infinite mana combo potential um, because it's just your win condition so you can use scrapyard recombiner to like get your scrap trawler to set up your your combo and then you can use it to get your walking ballista to utilize the mana that your combo is producing Uh, so really scrapyard recombiner is like pretty essential if you're trying to do these kind of artifact based engines and combos so keep an eye out for any new constructs printed uh I think it adds uh, a lot of value to those kinds of decks. Yeah, exactly. And they're really they're really fun too. <laughs> like <laughs> I think that's another reason we're bringing them up is like it's fun to go through these loops and like see your cards doing things. So, um I think we got one more category here before we move on to the next kind of more narrow category which is equipment that serve as engines. Mm-hmm. So this is uh things that make your deck tick and that could be like a skull clamp that could be the newly printed sword of hearth and home that could be like uh i don't know what's is there like a living weapon that people use a lot um well there's like ways to get value off of that are in the form of equipment too like you can ramp with a um a sword of the animist or mm -hmm. you can draw cards off of a mask of memory there's just a, a fair number of equipment at this point that either like generate useful resources for you um, or which serve as engines in their own right. And so like the more cards we get like this, the more value we get from our equipment tutors. So things like Fighter Class, the newly printed card from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, uh, Stoneforge Mystic, Open the Armory, Steel Shaper's Gift, all of those cards, like as we get more and more just generally useful equipment or equipment that are can be important to a deck strategy those those equipment tutors are just going to get more and more value and 
they're going to move away from like, oh, this is a card you would put in your like Wyleth deck or your Akiri deck uh, and become like, oh, this is just something I want in my white deck because I, you know, Skullclamp is so important to me or Sword of Hearth and Home is so important to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, they, they're going to just keep printing like equipment that like does that or that is like key to a strategy, you know, like maybe we just got like Holy Avenger, which isn't itself an engine, but like is key might be key to a strategy. Like, you know, well, they're, they're just going to keep printing equipment that do things. So eventually, like just over time, we're getting these critical masses of like, oh, actually all of these tutors for these equipment are actually very good where now it might be like kind of marginal or like going to very specific lists, you know? Yeah, we, we had a very long period of time where equipment sucked. It's like they were awesome right yeah. at the beginning and then they pulled way back on the power. And now we're kind of coming into a period where equipment can kind of be better again. And that's sort of happening for because like A, they're putting more colored mana on equipment so that they can be useful more or so that they can be like more powerful without being unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're also just like finding more ways to to inject powerful cards into older formats like for example the modern horizon sets so that you can you can print these powerful cards without them wrecking standard or whatever so i I think it's an exciting time and i think like keep an eye out for new equipment that get printed because they they could add value to this class of cards and then just give you more to do in your like on a white and boros decks Mm -hmm. yeah really cool their obsession with boros equipment over the last two years has um kind of boggled my mind but also is very good for some people so um Mm. you know (laughs) if you're one of those people that the heck yeah um and speaking of engines so equipment that serves engines that's actually our next category and we have like two major ones so can i get into this first one uh sure go right ahead this first like engine category of, of stuff that like we're we're like almost there with is basically mass blink spells uh we've been getting a few more over the last i don't know what seven years we've gotten Mm -hmm. most of the good ones yeah um and well actually when was it was 10 years ago was when we got innistrad right that was yeah avison restored was when they really started putting this focus on blink um Mm -hmm. and so ever since then (laughs) yeah uh, we've gotten a lot of exciting cards, like, um, for example, Ghostway, uh, although that was prior to Avacyn Restored, but Eerie Interlude, Semester's End, Ghostly Flicker, Illusionist Stratagem, Displace, all of those have been printed since Avacyn Restored. And um, what's notable about these type of cards is that if you combine them with a creature that recurs spells when it enters the battlefield, you get to create a repeatable blink engine. So in a deck with, like, Archaeomancer or any of the the many similar effects um you can basically blink your creatures as much as you like so you know in addition to just blinking your arcanmancer you can also be blinking your skyclave apparition or your um rambunctious mud or whatever like getting additional value uh while you're just going through this loop this is like something i've strived to do multiple times over the years and like it happens so rarely in a game just because there's so like up until recently there's so few ways to do this where now it's like 
getting to the point where where as the episode title almost there to the point where you can pretty consistently just draw into one of these without having like a tutor necessary Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the strategy to work and that's really cool like that uh that is really fun it's really i don't know i like looping stuff (laughs) yeah I, i like seeing my cards interact with each other and like loops like that are things where you're not only like seeing it happen but it's like visceral too you're like i put this here and then i put this here and then i put this here and (laughs) it's it's like it's the good brain juices flowing Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely uh and and similarly um the other engine type of engine piece that we're going to be talking about today um kind of functions in a similar way uh so there's wipes that reanimate so we actually just got a couple of these printed very recently within the last six months so one of them is Blood on the Snow from Kaldheim, and this does kind of restrict you to a snow um, to a snow mana base, but it is four black black for a snow sorcery. Choose one, destroy all creatures, or destroy all planeswalkers. Then return a creature or planeswalker card with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the amount of snow spent to cast this spell. And uh, the other card recently printed is dance macabre and this is actually just coming in um, adventures in the forgotten realms it is a black sorcery three black black each player sacrifices a non-token creature roll a d20 and add the toughness of the creature you sacrifice this way and then one through 14 return a creature card put into a graveyard this way to the battlefield under your control and 15 plus return up to two creature cards put into graveyards this way to the battlefield under your control so uh, in both of these cases you're controlling the board, and if you happen to get back a, a creature that enters the battlefield and recurs a spell, like, for example, an Archaeomancer, an Eternal Witness, uh, something similar, an Anarchist, any of those types of cards, then you can get your Blood on the Snow or your Dance Macabre back to your hand. So you've essentially controlled your opponent's boards, either like killed all their creatures or made them sacrifice a creature, uh, and but you kind of end up back where you started with your Archaeomancer on the board and your your kill spell in your hand. So you can keep doing this as many times as you like, and presumably your opponents will uh, either stop committing creatures to the board or just run out of creatures to cast. Um, and it's just a great way to like stretch your removal a lot further, uh, and potentially also, um, in, in the case of Dance Macabre, you can also kind of get some more value for yourself if you roll high on that d20 and get like multiple creatures back and now you're actually kind of amassing an army so i think both of these spells are really exciting i hope we see a lot more like it in the future um, because these are just powerful engines that don't require a lot of work and don't require a lot of real estate in your deck like in these are going to be great on their own and really good in in combination with spell recursion creatures i don't know i like these loops a lot (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, well, I think we can move on to our next category, which is combo pieces. Um, so engine pieces, and just want to make this quick distinction here. Engine pieces are things that uh, are not unbounded. Like you can only do them. At, you're usually limited by your mana or by something else. Whereas combo pieces, they uh, they go infinite. They you can do them as many yeah. times as you like, and they often win the game uh, as you're doing them. So uh, let's start us off with the first category here. What's the first category of combo piece 
that we are always on the lookout for in our set reviews and when we're getting new previews. Yeah, th- this is a category that's gotten this first one. It's gotten like more popular over the years as people kind of realized like how good they can be. But this is large rituals. So when I say ritual, I mean like a card that you spend the card, you spend itself and some amount of mana to get more mana back. Um, so basically trading the resource of a card in hand into mana. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's a lot of these now. And they are all varying levels of good. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something that they print very slowly and they tend to print them in... I guess they, they print them infrequently because there's danger for like competitive formats. But the ones we've seen recently are like just kind of fun and good. Actually, most of the ones we're going to talk about are pretty old, actually, when they didn't really think about rituals the way they do now, now that I'm kind of reading over the list. But um, these are things like Brass's Bounty, which is seven mana, make a treasure for each land you control. Mana Geyser, five mana, make a red for each tapped land your opponents control. Uh, Reckless Endeavor, reset, turnabout. Um, some of those ones reset, uh, turnabout, early harvest, root awakening. These untap your lands. So if you have more lands than the mana you're spending on them, then you generate mana when you cast them. Uh, Jessica's Will can generate a lot of mana. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spending a card, spending some amount of mana, but getting more than what you spent in the first place. And this can be very good with a certain subset of cards. Yes. Uh, so there are a couple cards that kind of just let you pay mana to copy spells, and they're not limited. You don't have to like tap them. Uh, they don't go to your graveyard. You don't have to recur them. So we're talking about like Reiterate uh, and Nivix Guild Mage. So Reiterate is a spell with buyback. It's one red red with buyback for three. Copy target instant or sorcery spell. You can choose new targets for the copy. And Nivix Guild Mage is a two cost uh, two two creature that has two blue-red copy target instant or sorcery spell. You can choose new targets for the copy. So in both cases, um, you can cast your, you can put your your mana geyser or whatever on the stack, um, or I guess your your brass's bounty, your reset, um, and then either repeatedly reiterate it or copy it with Nivix Guild Mage and get infinite mana. Uh, It is worth noting that Reiterate kind of works with any of those spells we mentioned. Nivix Guild Mage only works with the ones that can produce both colors required to activate it. So like Mana Geyser and Nivix Guild Mage doesn't work quite as well, but like the treasure producing uh, rituals or some of the other ones or the land untapping ones work just fine. Mm -hmm. If my deck really specifically wants like a reset, it probably doesn't want a Mana Geyser or like a Brass's Bounty. It probably like wants something like turnabout you know like they're usually like these cards some of them will play well with each other some of them are interchangeable with each other but for the most part like don't work in the same ways or with the same card so if you're going to use your nivix guild mage uh i think most of these are okay but if you're going to um use like if, if you're trying to put some other combo together it might specifically require some of these cards like the land untappers and not like some of the other ones so Mm -hmm. that that's something interesting about this category of cards is like 
there's so many ways to generate mana with these rituals that they all kind of lend themselves to like specific interactions, I guess. I guess that's what I'll say. Which is interesting yeah. and fun and cool, but it definitely um means that if you just throw all of these cards into a deck, like you pretty much need like the Nivix Guild Mage to go off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um I I mean there's some decks that can make use of a lot of mana, but you're right that you need to be uh a little mindful. Um all right, uh, I think we can move on to the next category of combo piece, if that works for you. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite ones that they make, which is Twin Casts, mm-hmm. um, also called Forks, because I think the Fork was the first one to do it. And uh, these are spells that copy instants and sorceries, uh, and typically are themselves instants and sorceries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, this is like Insidious Will, which either copies, counters, or or what's the other one? It copies, counters... Or a redirect? Redirects, yeah. Uh, a spell fork, which uh, makes a copy of a spell but makes it red. Uh, I don't know why. Reverberate, which just makes a copy of a spell. Twin cast, which does the same thing. Uh, there's so many of them. Increasing Vengeance, which copies your spells. Same with Fury Storm, which copies your spells for each time you cast your commander. Mm-hmm. Reiterate, which has buyback, as we mentioned. Uh, wild ricochet which redirects a spell and copies one it's pretty awesome and then uh, expansion on expansion explosion which copies uh, little spells i think was it four mana yeah four mana or less yes which is which is most of them you know Mm -hmm. uh so it's worth noting that if you get two twin casts together uh, they combine for infinite magecraft triggers um, so if you want to make use of all the the powerful magecraft triggers coming out of strixhaven and c21 uh, these cards are generally useful. Um, it's it's there's going to be a lot of opportunities over the course of a game to you know use it to counter a counter spell or just like copy someone else's removal and it just basically becomes your own doom blade. So it's it's not a huge burden to run a lot of these cards. Uh, or of course, just like uh, there's some really sweet things you can do in a red deck where like you know you cathartic reunion and then you copy your cathartic reunion and draw six cards. Um, so there's opportunities to get value out of these things just sort of in the course of a normal game and then they have that potential that explosive potential of like if you get two of them and you have your magecraft trigger out uh, then you can potentially just win from there Mm -hmm. which is I mean that's pretty good the mana values have decreased over time and interaction has been a lot higher I've actually just really liked these more and more it used to be they're kind of like gimmicky um like a wild ricochet stops like direct spell removal from hitting what you want it to and and you get a little more value out of it but it doesn't stop like a wrath but as people are playing like maybe one or two less wraths and one or two more pieces of like interaction or draw spells or whatever it might be these cards have gotten a lot more valuable because not only can you just straight up win the game in some decks they also are counter spells or draw spells or removal spells or uh, whatever. So it's it's become, uh, and in some metas, it's been like this the whole time. Uh, I, I would venture to bet that there's some CDH circles that have kind of utilized these cards for a while, but I don't quote me on that. I do not actually know uh, just because there are so many instances and sorceries being thrown around, but mm-hmm. um some circles might have been playing with them the whole time like this, but I think for most people, we are kind of in an era where 
your uh, twin cast is doing a lot more work than it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's cool. The, I, I love cards that are just good, but also win the game sometimes. Yeah, me too. All right, moving on to the next category. These are creatures that provide extra combat steps. So we're talking about cards like Aurelia the War Leader, Godo Bandit Warlord, Combat Celebrant, and Port Razor, all of which uh, somehow in combat they have a trigger uh, that allows them to take an extra combat step. In the, in the case of Aurelia and Godo, it's whenever they attack for the first time each turn. Uh, in Combat Celebrant, it's you know when you exert it. And Port Razor, it's when it deals combat damage to a player. So these tend to go infinite with uh, Helm of the Host. The the non-legendary ones can go infinite with like Kiki-Jiki or Rionia. So all of them are pretty powerful and they're, they just like an, add a lot of value to like these Kiki-Jiki and Rionia based decks. Um, so I, I think these are pretty exciting and I'm definitely keeping my, my eyes peeled for more cards like them. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um. I don't actually have much to add there. I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I love these cards a lot. <laughs> and uh, I think they're crowd favorites. So uh, do you want to get into the next category? Sure. Um, this is also another one that should go by quickly. Uh, I think most of these other combo pieces are going to be pretty quick. And then we get into the the miscellaneous value section, which is my favorite. I'm really horror <laughs> too. Um, <Yeah. laughs> so the next category is creatures that can be cast from exile. So these are things like Mist Hollow Griffin, Eternal Scourge, and Squee the Immortal. All of them go infinite with Food Chain, and then there's some other kind of fringier stuff you can do with them as well, like in, say, a Prosper deck, it's possible to set things up so that you're you know, reducing the cost of your creatures, and then maybe you can like generate infinite treasures or infinite storm by like casting your your eternal scourge or squee from your from exile over and over if you have a way to to get it out there and you know what food chain i uh i wish you were more affordable but <laughs> but it, you definitely are the only card that does that so <laughs> yep so whoops <laughs> still a very fun card but um just uh hmm wow so this is for all the the food chainers out there who who got got in got an early and can afford it uh you do your thing yep uh all right next on the list is persist creatures um so this is uh great in that it's like an entire mechanic and pretty Mm -hmm. much any creature with the mechanic serves this purpose um though the but the like the limiting factor and the reason why it's not quite a critical mass is because so many of these persist creatures just have weird color identities like <laughs> this was in shadow more blocks so they all like half of them are just hybrid and so you can't use them in like your your mono green deck or whatever but they all go infinite with uh these like grumgully renata malira type of combos where you have uh, a card in the command zone that will add plus plus one counters to creatures um, when they enter the battlefield or prevent minus one minus one counters from being placed on creatures so if you have that, a persist creature and a sack outlet, then you get infinite of whatever the sack outlet generates. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that as we see more cards or more sets like Modern Horizons um, or, you know, as, as we're getting more new cards in our commander precons, that we get to see more old mechanics and potentially get more persist creatures that way. Yeah, just another reason I love like the Modern Horizons type sets like 
they just give us so many little little presents, you know, just little mm-hmm. weird things. So more persist creatures would be, uh, I think, pretty fun for people. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now, ooh, we're getting we're getting into a couple spicy combo enablers. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, this next category is creatures that enter the battlefield or leave the battlefield and reanimate things. Um. So these are things like Sun Titan, Karmic Guide, Young Necromancer, Phyrexian Delver, Revelark. And these combos with creatures that like enter the battlefield and blink things or uh, clones or things like Fiend Hunter that come in and kind of swallow things or, or like, I guess, Lumbering Battlement would be another example of that. But uh, the, these just tend to be... Um, really easy to to combo with like sack outlets and these various type of creatures and and most of these creatures aren't bad to run on their own like sun titan is just a white staple karmic guide is just a white staple um and of course clones they're pretty easy to fit in your deck they're always going to be useful so i think there's just sort of a confluence of like oh it doesn't really hurt me to run this clone oh it doesn't really hurt me to run this karmic guide and then occasionally you just luck into all the pieces and whoops i win the game yeah shuffle up for the next one guys yeah i i really love this category too like there's no reason that most decks can't get value out of a lot of these cards like i have decks that just run phyrexian delver just because you know like i have decks that run revel just because and the fact that you might be able to combo later uh cool (laughs) Um, kind of similar to like some of the other cards of the rituals or the um, the double spell cards. Like most of these cards that do like reanimation um, or like blink a bunch of things, like are pretty good just throughout the game as you have a board and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, you can just kind of go and win. Like that, that's awesome. That's exactly what I want out of like a a combo ish card. You know. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely second to last category these are low mana value clones so things like phantasmal image or mirror image so if if they cost three or less especially if they cost less uh, they can go infinite with a couple of different things so uh, palancron if you have a phantasmal image and a palancron then you can cast the image for two it comes in untap seven lands you can pay for to bounce it back to your hand. You generate infinite mana. With mirror image, you don't get the mana, but you do get the storm and like the entering and leaving the battlefield. And then they also work really well with Cavalier of Night. So Cavalier of Night, the important text on it is that when it <laughs> dies, it, you can reanimate a creature with mana value three or less from your graveyard. So if you bring in a phantasmal image, have it copy a Cavalier of Night, then you have a sack outlet, you can sacrifice the image it will get a Cavalier of Night death trigger and it can return itself to the battlefield. So you just generate infinite of whatever your sack outlet makes. So I'm really keeping my eyes peeled for um, more low mana value clones just because, uh, you know, Cavalier of Night is not a huge burden to run your deck. It kind of gets a value coming and going. What was the one? Did you mention Glasspool Mimic? Oh, uh, I did not. That's that's another one that fits uh, in this category. Yeah, and and that was one that I remember. Like it came out, and I was like, "Oh, nice," because exactly because it fit into this category. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is a really cool 
little like clones are fun and cool and good and having them work well with a subset of cards is is awesome so definitely excited when i get to play with these cards mm-hmm. um last one before miscellaneous yeah these are uh cards that copy enter the battlefield triggers or copy creature spells um so reflections of litjara was the enchantment from Kaldheim where you choose a creature type and then you basically copy spells of the chosen type. Um, Panharmonicon and Yarok, the Desecrated, of course, both of those copy, um, you know, ETB triggers on on, on permanents that enter the battlefield. Uh, and then Volo, Guide to Monsters, he will also copy your your creature spells provided you don't already have one of those creatures on the battlefield or in your graveyard. Uh, and all of these go infinite with Palancron. Oh, Palancron. <laughs> it kind of does everything. Mm-hmm. If you're running like a tribal deck or you're running a deck with a lot of ETP triggers, uh, as is probably the case in like a Yaruk or a Volo deck, then it's not really a huge burden to put a Palancron in your list and then just have that potential of like, oop, I now have infinite mana and I'm going to have a lot of fun. Um, it is worth noting that with Volo, you do have to have a land that taps for two or more in order for this to work, just because mm-hmm. because you need to get rid of the the token. But still, that's that's not a huge burden, and it's just like uh, sort of turns Palancron into something that easily slots into lists and just has the potential to win the game out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super cool. Uh, who would have thought Palancron could do so much? Busted just kidding. Magic <laughs> yeah, just kidding. They they should have thought that when they made it. <laughs> um, so now we, this is the biggest category. This is going to take up a majority of this this episode, but it's like the coolest stuff, I guess. It's like the most wide ranging. I don't know how do you describe this category? Things that just they they are all interesting, but can't really be grouped together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That. These are things that like get value or do something powerful, but they they're not really doing it in in the form of a combo or an engine, and they're not really tutoring so much. You'll 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 see what we mean as we go through them. These are this is a grab bag, but it's a lot of this is like honestly about twenty different deck ideas. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess let's jump right into it with the um, first one, which is. Effects that give all your permanents indestructible or or phase them out or whatever until end of turn. So I'm not talking about things that just give your creatures indestructible because uh, I'm really interested in giving my lands indestructible or getting them out of here. So uh, all of these effects like Boros Charm, Heroic Intervention, or Deferi's Protection allow your lands to survive through mass land destruction. So... If if you're running a deck, you know, some sort of aggressive deck or something, it's not a huge burden to run Heroic Intervention, Boros Charm, Teferi's Protection, because of course you want your, your aggro creatures to survive a board wipe. And uh, it's also not a huge burden to run Mass Land Destruction because, you know, once you have the best board, casting a Mass Land Destruction spell just makes you win the game. Yeah. So all of these combo pieces, or, well, not quite combo pieces, all of these pieces are low uh they they don't require much opportunity cost to run them and uh when combined together they just make it so you're the only person with lands left and i would hope that your deck is able to win the game from that position 
Yeah. Yeah. This is something that has happened to me numerous times and something I've tried to do a few times. I had, um, basically I had a combo similar to this in my like Zerlin of the Claw deck when I had that together where I, I tutor a Zerlin to get World Gorger Dragon mm-hmm. with a bunch of mana and then I would like float a bunch of mana and cast Decree of Annihilation. <laughs> Which basically did the same thing. So, like, I get rid of everyone's hands and everything, but then that would just only kill my world gorger, which would bring back my board of usually dragons and Zerlin and mana. And it it was like a similar kind of like puts you puts you in the bomb shelter kind of idea, like with the fairy's protection or Boros charm or whatever. So, it's good when it works, but you can also get blown out. So watch out. Yes, definitely. Like. Well, mm. It it could be bad for you, but I think most of the time it, it's just uh, a win the game out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, speaking of winning the game out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. Uh, this this next one is very similar, and we actually just got an enormous boost to it. But it's the kind of thing that, you know, most of the things we, we've talked about, like the critical mass is like, ah, if we could get 10 of these effects, we'd probably be good. That, that's probably enough to see it as, you know, as many times as you need to in the course of a game. But for this, like, the the critical mass is like as close to 40 as you can get yeah <laughs> so it's a bit unique um what, what i'm talking about here is indestructible lands so cascading cataracts uh and dark steel citadel for example and then of course we just got the bridges from modern horizons 2 all of which uh tap for two colors and are indestructible artifact lands so the more of these we that we get and and of course, this is something that comes very frequently or very infrequently. But the more of these that we get, uh, the more you can make a mana base that breaks the symmetry on mass land destruction. If you can set it up so that you know all of your lands are indestructible and you cast an Armageddon, well, that's basically the the same thing we just described with the previous synergy. Although um, the, I'd say like the requirements are even less. Like you're you're just. Yeah. Your your mana base just has a certain property that you um, that you went for, and I've actually like experimented a little bit with this in a Golos list. That's all about just like ramping with these weird indestructible non basic lands, uh, and then casting mass land destruction, and uh, I don't know. I guess like I don't know activating Golos for the win. Or yeah, <laughs> you're you're in a fine position from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, are you ready to move on to the next category? Yeah, this one is actually, I don't know, I keep saying this is my favorites, but there's just a lot of things in Magic that are fun to do. (laughs) This one is Polymorphs. And uh, when we say Polymorphs, we mean cards that you usually sacrifice or like exile a creature or card type on the battlefield to basically flip cards from the top of your library until you hit a card of the same type and you get that one. And there are a decent amount of these now. It's something that they recently moved into red, mm-hmm. which is a great place for it, in my opinion. And for the last out of 26 years, <laughs> it's been in blue mostly. So when we talk about polymorphs right now, we're mostly talking about blue lists, but there are some notable exceptions. So these are... Like Mass Polymorph, which does this in Mass, sack a bunch of creatures, get a bunch of creatures, Polymorph the card, it's four mana, sorcery, sac- uh, yeah, sacrifice a creature, flip till you hit one, Reweave, which is a permanent, so it's sack a permanent and flip till you hit that one, 
synthetic destiny, uh, divergent transformations. Um, and then we, we get some red ones uh, in the modern era within the last... When did Reality Scramble come out? Three years ago? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. So we got Luca Coppercoat Outcast, which is the uh, back half of... Uh, what's the fox name? Mila? Crafty oh, no. Kinkai. Actually, Luper, Luca Coppercoat Outcast is uh, the Ikoria one. Oh, it's just the Ikoria one. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Never mind then. So yeah, we got Luca Coppercoat Outcast. This is the uh, red Planeswalker. You can minus two to polymorph something, basically. Um, reality scramble which we got when in one of the commander sets and it uh polymorphs in red but it also has um retrace right that's what it has uh yes that's correct that's actually one of my favorite engines printed recently yeah and retrace is you can cast it from your graveyard if you discard a land card in addition to paying its other costs um so as you can see you cast it once you can Keep on casting it. Just keep drawing lands. Um, Transmogrify, which is just red polymorph. It's three and a red. Attack a creature. Flip till you hit a creature. Uh, and then Proteus Staff, which has been around since Mirrodin. Um, three mana artifact, and it's four to use. It's like three uh, and a blue. Only only three to use. Two and a blue. Oh, two and a blue. Nice. Uh, and you polymorph something. Uh, but it doesn't have to be your thing either. You could, you could just mess with someone else, which used to be good when you could tuck commanders, but uh, now... It's not quite as good, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's worth noting that uh, Proteus Staff, you can do some fun stuff if you ever have any ways to gain control of creatures temporarily. Because um, you put target creature on the bottom of its owner's library, but the controller is the one who flips until they hit things. So mm-hmm. I used to run like a Zedru deck that was all about temporarily gaining control of stuff and and then like, you know, giving them away to other players. But with Proteus Staff, I could temporarily gain control of something, put it on the bottom of its owner's library, and then flip until i hit some sweet creature yeah that's that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. but but all these polymorph um cards like if if you're there are some commanders out there that run very few creatures um so if you're willing to go all the way down to a single creature then you can swap your commander or a man land for the target you can cast your your fibble thip or or just like turn on your mutavault uh and then polymorph it into a blight steel or Jinkataxius or just some haymaker creature that's going to like massively imbalance a game which uh is i mean it's a play pattern that is very good uh and for some people it's very fun um and i acknowledge that it's very powerful uh i We'll get bored myself. <laughs> um, it's definitely something that like I'll do it like one time or nowadays I'll even just like I'll think about it. I'll be like, oh, yeah, haha. Mm-hmm. And then uh, not actually put the deck together because <laughs> it's like I know I know what I'm going to feel in that moment. I know uh, I know what my friends are going to the face they're going to make when they look at me. Uh, I've lived that moment now in my brain, even if only only uh in my imagination <laughs> but it is definitely a very good thing and I, i'm glad that we're slowly getting more and more cards that enable strategies like this like kind of interesting niche strategies uh all right moving on to the next category uh th- this is some spicy tech it is uh land over writers so if you have a blood sun or a blood moon or a mages of the moon 
uh, basically they stop um, whatever would normally happen when your lands enter the battlefield. So you can do something like slipping in a Dark Depths without having any counters, or you can play lands with massive drawbacks like Lotus Field, Lotus Veil, Scorched Ruins, or Bounce Lands. And then if you ever like kill your, your Blood Sun or Blood Moon or Mages of the Moon, then uh, you, know, you, you just have your, your powerful lands and you never had to pay the, the full retail price for them. So I was thinking like maybe in a Gen Arcanum Weaver deck, those could be the kind of decks that could like get a blood sun or a blood moon off the table um, mm-hmm. once it no longer becomes convenient to have them. But there's still just not many of these effects. And so it's the kind of thing like you'd have to really luck into it with like, oh, okay, I'll have my bounce land and my scorch ruins and, and my lotus whale or whatever. But if you don't have the the land overrider, like the the possibility of Playing your Lotus Veil, sacrificing two lands, and then getting blown out by a strip mine is is terrifying. Yeah. So, I, I'd, so I'd really love to see a lot more Landover Riders so that you can make this line of play happen more often because it does seem really, really fun. Yeah. And something also notable here is that this drawback becomes a lot less bad in like white decks too. So. This is a kind of line of play that like Borosless can engage in where you can either kind of cheat out, like you said, this Lotus Field, Lotus Fail, Scorch Ruins, Bounce Lands, whatever. Uh, but when that isn't a main line of play, you could, like, let's say you are, you haven't drawn your uh, Magus of the Moon or your Blood Sun or something like that, you, you can use your Brought Back or your like Faith's Reward or something like that and kind of end up ramping too. So kind of as like a supplement to this like if you this line of play works very well in boris because there's a backup plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what i'm trying to say here so um as we get more cards that overwrite uh this will kind of i think become its own strategy in red but until that point um this is something that you can kind of subsidize playing in boris colors which is not something you can say very often yep all right uh so we have gotten through about half of our notes and we see that we've hit the (laughs) one hour mark uh so just to, to give you back a little bit more time this week and to not inundate you um, after you know multiple four-hour episodes, yeah. I think we are going to break it off here, but we've got a whole other episode full of these subcritical masses uh, that we are going to come back with next time. So I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons before we go. They are Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Rick, Raphael, Laser, Charlotte, Hannah, Andy, Dylan, James, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Jason, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Leo, John, John, Tom, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Ellie, Leon, and Jason. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at commander theory on Twitter and Tumblr. Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board. <laughs>